Traditionally, we would have considered the Irish fertilizer market to be a one and a half million ton market. In 2023, it came out at somewhere in the region of 1.13 million tons. So down a lot from the traditional market. I think to be honest, 1.5 million is false. Going forward, it's not going to happen ever again. But you're looking at maybe a 33% drop over, a two, over the last two years. Now, to counterbalance that, I think the models are saying, Michael, probably looking at a 15 to 18% increase in 2024 for various reasons, predominantly low stocks in the system. The wait continues for a fine spell of weather to get started on fieldwork. Last week, we discussed the importance of planning the type and quantity of fertilizers to be used. Like the electricity going in a storm, you take it for granted until it's gone. The supply of fertilizers was somewhat interrupted last year, leaving many quite nervous about whether they would have enough or not. You are listening to the latest episode of The Tillage with me, Michael Hennessy. We would really appreciate it if you could listen, follow and give us a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. The supply of fertilizers into Ireland seems to be freer than last year, but developments in the Middle East may have an impact. I'm delighted to be joined by Liam Dunphy, the Managing Director of Gouldings, and Peter Scott, the Technical Director of the Fertilizer Divisions in Origin Enterprises, to discuss the fertilizer situation at the moment. Liam, in terms of the overall tonnage that was used last year, where does that sit in comparison to normal? Back a lot, Michael, I suppose. Traditionally, we would have considered the Irish fertilizer market to be a one and a half million ton market. In 2023, it came out at somewhere in the region of 1.13 million tons. So down a lot from the traditional market. I think to be honest, 1.5 million is false. Going forward, it's not going to happen ever again. But you're looking at maybe a 33% drop over, two, over the last two years. Now, to counterbalance that, I think the models are saying, Michael, probably looking at a 15 to 18 percent increase in 2024 for various reasons, okay. predominantly low stocks in the system. OK, OK. Uh, and and as you mentioned there, it's really the last two years. So was that a, a big drop in 23 or was that 22 and 23 as in a, a drop in kind of both years? Yeah, both years, Michael, probably you could say half and half um, in the region of 17, 18% last year. So over a two year period, 33% predominantly driven by high prices. Yes. Uh, you think back to the Russian invasion of Ukraine was 24th of February, 2022. From there on, the price of fertilizer almost trebled as the season went on. And then as you know yourselves, it came down a huge amount last year again. So even at the back end of last year or quarter four, which is July to September, the sales in the country were down significantly, you know, nearly probably 30% in that quarter alone. So stocks aren't in the system coming into the new year. Okay. And just in terms of those overall sales theme, is it uh, split, evenly split between nitrogen and P and K or is it, was it predominantly nitrogen that kind of fell off? You could almost say across the two years, a third is nearly uniform across all ingredients. In Sorry, not so much in name, but P and K, the third is uniform across both of those in relation to the actual market. So market down because of price and P and K down because of price. Okay, that must be a bit of a worry in the system in, in terms of obviously P and K isn't being used out there. Uh, there's obviously been run down because production didn't stop. Yeah, 
production and, and basically I'd say at this stage, Michael, we're probably mining the ground at this stage, but it's probably time for a correction. Um, it's difficult to know what we're finding ourselves and you're probably getting it through Chagas as well, is that a lot of farmers at the moment don't really know what they can or are going to use for 2024, particularly in the pea. Um, and if we're looking as a country to improve nitrogen use efficiency going forward, we need to get our P, K, sulfur and lime right. And there's a lot of doubt here. And, and the reduction in P and K is a worry when it comes to nitrogen use efficiency in forward years. Okay. And just talking about the, the, the K, Peter, I want to bring you in on this. Um, the supply of K, I suppose, generally speaking, up to recently at least anyway, was generally in the compounds or whether it was murate or sulfate of pot, potash. But there's a new newish product, I suppose, really, and this polysulfate on the market, of which you're obviously an expert in it. You might just tell us a little bit about that. Yes, uh, it is it is a newish product. It's been on the market in Ireland, uh, Liam, what, about six, the last six or seven years? Yes. Um, I, I tend not to think of it so much as a potash fertilizer, as a, as a multi-nutrient product. It's a natural mineral. The mineral is called polyhalite. Um, and there's a seam of it in Yorkshire. It's the only uh, commercially mined seam in the world. Uh, and it's a natural mineral, as I say, which contains four key nutrients. So it's rich in potash, sulfur, calcium and magnesium. So each crystal of the of the mineral contains all four of those nutrients. Um, it's 11.6% it's potash, 19% sulfur. 12% calcium and 3.6% magnesium. So it's a good source of all of the of all of those uh, nutrients. I think if, if a farmer Peter, sorry, can I right. can I just clarify sure. just in terms of of the that's elemental values you're looking at? Is it or is ele- it? yes, that no, okay. that's element elemental elemental values. Okay. Um and where where I feel it's got a a, a role to play is that because it's a natural mineral, it is water soluble. Uh, but it breaks down. It takes around seven weeks for each of the, the the granules to to break down and dissolve into the soil solution. So it's it's got that sort of seven, it's around about fifty days release pattern. So it's releasing each of the four nutrients little and little and often across that seven weeks. So it's giving you particularly important in relation to potash and and uh, sulfur that are quite easily leached out of soil. Um, it's it's giving that sustained release uh, across that seven week period. So we're we're increasingly looking at in at uh, incorporating it into NPK compounds. So if it's being applied a little and often throughout the season, then it's uh, giving a source of potash. And sulfur that uh, are are less liable to be washed out of soil, um, so better retention in the soil, better better chance for the for the grass or the crop to to take up the nutrients. So, from the point of view of that seven weeks you talk about, um, does that mean which sounds good, but to be probably in terms of applying the potash close to the very fast growth phase of a crop, you know, around growth, growth stage 30, 31, would you be better off having the product on, say, towards early March or even late February kind of thing, that it's that it's kind of, it's built it up in there, if you know what I mean? So, so there's th- th- that, that big bunch of it is kind of ready to be taken up because it'll probably be taken up relatively fast by the crop. Yes, in, in, in a cereal tillage situation, I, I would be looking to apply the polysulfate early early as early as possible in the season for that very reason that you mentioned michael in a grassland situation 
little and often. So where we've incorporated it, incorporated it into, for example, an NPK compound, then you know that little and often you've got that continuous release. Um, but certainly in a tillage situation where we've seen it very effectively used is 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 early in the season. And just thinking about the from a cereal point of view, eleven percent uh, potash in it, nineteen percent sulfur. I think you might have said. Yes. Um, so where a farmer is trying to get, or will a, has a farmer the capacity, I suppose, really, or, or or would a farmer attack it like this that they're going to use the polysulfate to apply all of the K? But then does that not mean there's way too much sulfur in the system? And and maybe the, the, the final part of that is. Does the sulfur, you know, because it's broken down a little bit slower, would it be there for the following year, if you like? Uh, it's a good, good question. The, I, I, personally, on a tillage situation, I wouldn't use it to supply all of the potash. I would, the, I would work out my application rate based on the, the sulfur requirement and apply it to the sulfur rate. Uh, to supply all of the sulfur, and then by by doing that, it's going to apply it supply a proportion of the potash. But you know, you you mentioned hundred kilos a hectare of potash, um, a proportion of that, but a relatively small proportion will come from polysulfate applied to provide the sulfur. So it's part of the potash input, but it's uh, it's certainly not all of the potash input because it, uh, to your point, Michael, you would be way uh, making a, a significant over application on the sulfur, uh, which is certainly something that we wouldn't be recommending. So it's, as I say, part of the potash requirement in a tillage situation, but not all of it. Okay. And Liam, can and, I bring you back in there then? So in, in terms of the from a Goulding's point of view, then this is going into kind of compounds then for the most part, as part of the overall mix with, I don't know what you're putting into it, um, uh, murate of potash or something along with it to, to kind of balance it up so you can get that, you know, the, the general four bag kind of application rate kind of scenario out there for, for in a in a compound type scenario that, that, that farmers are used to doing. Is that the way it works? Yes. So we have a full range, Michael, actually, to be honest, believe it or not, there are a number of farmers using polysulfate as a straight, I would say, predominantly on the East Coast, and the majority of those are cereal farmers. Um, tends to be maybe guys that are in the base group, if, you, if you're familiar with that. They use polysulfate, and it's popular in that group. Um, we have a range of grass products where polysulfate is put in there, covering most of the potash. If you think your typical 27, 25 product, we actually have protected urea products with polysulfate in there also. So you're replacing your traditional 27, 2.5,5 with a, a new protected urea compound with the polysulfate in there. Then if you move further, we'll say maybe East Cork and into the Northeast, we have a lot of vegetable and potato growers with what we call special mixes. So they come to us with their mix with polysulfate included for the various, say, potato companies or veg companies. Especially, you know, we have the, the specially designed mixes from their agronomists coming to us to formulate the product in on their behalf. Okay. And the, the likes of, say, I don't know, popular mix might be Lima sauce, the likes of a 16420 kind of mix. Is, is that included into it or is that a special a special ask to get it into it or what way is it working? Um, on the grass products, we have a range of products. We call it on the shelf, Michael. On the cereal products, it tends to be special asks. So we have a lot of guys who have their mix in our system as such. Okay. So they come to us. It's a four-digit code, and we make the mix based on 
what they call, and if they decide to change, then obviously you can change based on soil tests or whatever. But they have their own even mix under their own farm names. Even. Okay. And Peter, just just to bring you back there for a second, um, in terms of the spreadability of the product, is it straight uh, or the spreadability of the product within a compound? How is that really well known? Is that well known in terms of the settings per fertilizer machinery manufacturer to a I know a Roush or a, a, a bog ball or whatever the kind of manufacturers out there that in you know, the way you kind of dial it into the into the machinery of it, uh, into the, the digital layout of it. Absolutely, there's been a lot of work done uh, on spreading of polysulfates, uh, both as a straight uh, and also within blends. So you know you mentioned one or two uh, spread fertilizer spreader manufacturers there, uh, Roush, bog ball, but all you know you Amazon, Cavernlands, Kuhn. The, most of the, in fact, all of the major fertilizer spreader manufacturers would have settings for polysulfate as straights, uh, as a straight within their uh, database. Uh, we, we as a business, have done a lot of independent work where we've done spread, had spreader calibration and spreader setting work done uh, with a company called SCS, Rob Foxall uh, in England, who has a team of 27, 28 uh, engineers around the the UK doing on-farm spreader calibration. So he does independent work for us where we've included polysulfate within uh, NPK compounds. Um, we've looked at the spreader, uh, not just the settings of the of the spreader, but we've looked at uh, whether there's any segregation across the spread uh, with and there isn't. Uh, I confidently say it, it, it's, it makes a very good blend. Uh, doesn't segregate and spreads well. Um, it's it's a dense material, so certainly spreading it as a straight, people wanting to tramline it. We've got people tramlining it in places like East, East Anglia to, to 40 plus metres um, and getting a very good spread pattern. So, yeah, a lot of data there um, on a number of websites, including the, the fertiliser spreader manufacturers. Okay, you're quite confident of it. Absolutely. Just, yeah. Okay. Um, Liam, turn it back maybe just a little bit back to, I suppose, maybe the overall fertilizer situation. Um, as you say, gas prices have eased back a little bit. Geopolitical situation is, I don't know, eased back a little bit. Maybe it's gone back up again. I'm not really sure. What's it looking like out there in terms of the international market for fertilizers at the moment? Okay. I suppose the one word to summarize it, Michael, is volatile. You could have used that word for the last three years in a row, probably. Um, things have changed a lot in the fertilizer markets over the last three years. You know, it used to be reasonably steady markets. You'd have a fair idea at the start of every year where price was going to be for the spring. Now, unfortunately, it's very difficult to predict it. We've had probably what you could call a few black swan events since 2020. We've had COVID. We've had the Ukraine-Russia situation. And now we have the Red Sea situation. So that makes it next to impossible to predict. Um, our situation in Ireland, we're unique, obviously. We have no national fertilizer manufacturing. And we're also unique from the point of view that it's hard to access a fertilizer plant in that we're an island off the coast of Europe. Um, we, in 2022, Michael, I suppose, is something we always have to bear in mind. We lost 40% of our fertilizer supply when we lost Russia. Today, Russia is still, well, I won't say it's prohibited, but the product is fine to bring in but the owners of the companies that produce the product are on a sanctions list. So payment is the big issue. It's not actually the product at all. So as such, Ireland, 
now no longer has access to that supply line. It's not even that we've moved elsewhere. We're just buying more from the existing markets. But if you look at the current situation, which is heavily publicized, the Red Sea situation, that's having a big effect on shipping lines more than anything, more than actual product that makes its way to Ireland. It's driving up freight rates. It's probably moving ammonia and products like that in a different route to get to Europe to make fertilizers. Um, on your point on gas prices, yes, gas is down. Thank God, we need it down, to be honest, all of us, farmers included. Um, probably not down to historically low levels yet. And probably the main driver for bringing it down at the moment is actually lack of use in Europe, of which the fertilizer industry is part of that. The nitrogen industry is the main user in Europe, and they are not producing to normal levels or anywhere near it at the moment. With some national, you know, some countries maybe further east, their national fertilizer production is almost down to zero at the moment. No. So changing times, I suppose, to summarize it. So, Liam, is there any other issues that farmers should be aware of? You know, presumably there's a good bit of fertilizer on the island and is it easy enough to get access to it and that kind of thing? Yeah, um, I've never seen a year where anybody didn't get fertilizer, Mike. So we mm. won't say it won't be there. It will be there. Um, I just tried to gather some data before coming on to the meeting as to where we actually are on the island. So CSO record fertilizer imports. Out of my head, I think from August to to the end of November this year, we've somewhere around 290,000 tons imported. That's better. Sorry, that's less than last year, but it's quite a lot less than the year before. So normally, at coming to the end of November into mid-December, you'd like to have 350, 400,000 tons imported at that time. So imports have been quiet. It's probably a fear right down through the chain, Michael, from importers, retailers, and farmers. Everybody got burned last year. And that's put a fear into everybody from buying this year. Even at the moment, it's quite enough out there. And I suppose the danger is here, we're going to get to a point where everybody wants it on the one day. We will have fertilizer, but it's to have it where we need it on that particular day. And I think logistically, we're working off a lot less trucks available to move fertilizer around the country than where we were two or three years. Just availability of trucks and to be able to get that product on farm the day we need it. And suppose if I was to try and give a message to the farming community, it looks like prices are set for the spring. The fundamentals of the market suggest that prices are very, very firm to rising. And while you have all the unrest in the Red Sea, etc., there is no suggestion of prices coming down. So it's probably time to be now considering getting the first round or two of fertilizer out there, particularly for winter cereal growers or, or even guys looking at maybe the f- sowing of spring barley in mid-March. It's now, you know, from our own point of view, even we're four to six weeks away every day you order a boat. Um, fertilizer deliveries, when it hits a peak here in Ireland, could be up to two weeks away. So to order would pl- give, give the retailers plenty of notice. Minimum of two weeks, I would say, to get your product out. And what's the or what's the, the feedback you're getting from, from I suppose, the ground, from the, 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 the merchant side of the house in terms of that? I suppose, a bit of a standoff. Is, is it at merchant level in as much as it is from farmer level? Because I, I, I think I heard somebody people. saying, I'm not sure whether it was you or not, that there's not a huge amount of stock in um, merchant's yards necessarily. No, if you even if you drive around the country, you'll see it yourself. Uh, stocks are very, very low at merchant's yards. No, a bit better with ourselves and now obviously producing. So the big thing here is the capacity, the fertilizer production capacity in Ireland to get all the 
this, you know, the main season now is going to be eight to 10 weeks to get it all done. The capacity is going to be under huge pressure. So therefore, stuff needs to move. Stores need to clear in order to bring in more boats. Um, the main standoff, Michael, is simply because people, their memories are colored by last year and it's hard to blame anybody. It's a, t- it's a tough time to look at your fertilizer sitting in your yard and falling by a couple of hundred euros a ton. It's not a nice place to be for anybody. So that's what's coloring people's minds today. And I suppose, look, if you look at harvest that has been tough, people are trying to clear bills from last year, maybe still a bit of that going on. And while all that is happening, you couldn't blame anybody for not thinking forward. But I suppose now we're coming to the 1st of February this week. It is time now to be putting, you know, for everybody to put their name on some bit of fertilizer and have the thing moving into yards. Sure. Last year, Liam, uh, maybe your comment on it, last year th- there was um, there was a small bit, or there was a bit certainly, I'm not sure how small it was necessarily, of, of I suppose, farmer-based imports, you might call them. Um, they certainly weren't through the traditional um, supply chain of, of nitrogen, especially coming down from Northern Ireland, which probably put a bit of pressure onto the market as they did it. Do, do you think that's likely to happen this year again? Um yeah, if you look back to last year, Michael, it did put pressure on the market. A, a fertilizer came in, not just from Northern Ireland, to be fair. I think it came from Scotland and England as well. Um, if you take it back to the autumn of 22, I would say all countries were buying fertilizer at that time at astronomical prices. Probably the major difference between the UK countries and Ireland was that at that time, the UK farmers bought the fertilizer, whereas in Ireland, you know, the wholesaler brings it in and oftentimes holds onto it for two or three months. So it was still in wholesalers' yards at that time, whereas the farmer had actually taken it on farm in the UK countries at that stage. So therefore, come into the spring of 23, those countries were buying a newer supply at a lower price. So that you had a gap of 100, 150 euros a ton at times during the spring. Um, at the moment, you don't have a gap. It's it's an equilibrium price, I'd say, across Ireland and UK at the moment. There are no differences. Okay. So it's not likely to happen. So, okay. No, very unlikely, I would say. I don't see okay. any reason. The last uh, question, Liam, um, uh, is around the fertilizer register, which is kind of brand new this year. In terms of the feedback coming from, uh, you know, the merchant level trade of, of who probably has, essentially they have to enact it, I suppose, really. What's the thinking? Is that going to be any sort of an issue this year? Is our fertilizer still going to flow relatively freely? Do you think, or is it, will it be any sort of a a, um, a hang up about that to try and get over some some issues? Yeah, I suppose at the moment, Michael. Even we look, just take our own point of view at the minute. So, all importers, not just ourselves, have an obligation to report each import of fertilizer within seventy two hours. So, if we bring in a boat, it has to be notified within seventy two hours. Anybody bringing in fertilizer from outside the state, so the farmer brings it in from the north or the UK or whatever, he has 72 hours to report it also. Um, then feedback from our own customers, which are the merchants and co-ops. Yeah, find it difficult to adjust it. To it. Um, they have to have herd numbers from farmers. They have to be able to ensure that the farmer is registered before they sell a product. Likewise, with ourselves, we've to ensure that all our customers are registered. We have to have their fertilizer register number. There's a bit of work in all of that, if you know what I mean. But sure. I suppose when you get over all of that, it's going to take, it's probably going to take the guts of a season for this to bed in and people to become comfortable with. So, yes, there will be issues in 2024. There's no doubt about it. Something else to consider for farmers on the ground, I suppose. Yes, definitely. Yeah. 
Liam, thank you very much, and Peter as well. Thank you very much. The, the time doesn't be long, but flying by, and, and and we're kind of nearly nearly there. So listen, thanks very much, guys. Um, we might touch base with you again, maybe as, as we go through the season, just to see how it's getting on. But for the moment, thanks very much. You're welcome, Michael. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.